go ahead and, and jump into what I want to talk about tonight. Um, we are going to be looking at a very familiar story out of uh, the book of Genesis. And um, God uh, sort of placed this one on my heart this afternoon uh, right after I spoke with Pastor. Uh, and he said he wasn't going to be able to make it. Um, and, you know, one of the things that Pastor often talks about uh, with us anytime that we get a chance to come and stand in his place is that we, uh, uh, we need to make sure that we keep it short. So I'm not going to drag you guys out to like 9 o'clock tonight. Uh, praise God for that. Uh, but he also talks about making sure that uh, we talk about things that are uh, – uh, I guess the basics, uh, things that uh, are not tough uh, doctrinal uh, pieces of scripture to, to grasp and uh, just making sure that we keep things relevant. Um, so um, I want to go ahead and uh, start in Genesis chapter 3 uh, in verse 1. Uh, I'm going to be reading about Adam and Eve uh, here. And the Bible says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of these trees in the garden? Verse 2, it says, uh, her reply was, Of course, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It is only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat of it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And the serpent's response was, you won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced, and she saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool of the evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman that you gave me. Or, uh, it was the woman that you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? And she said, the serpent deceived me. That is why I ate it. Uh, so I want to talk to you guys from the topic of knowing thy enemy tonight. Uh, so pray with me. God, we thank you so much for this time of fellowship, this time of teaching. Uh, Lord, I, I pray now and I just ask that you would anoint me. Um, Lord, I, I pray and I ask that you would help me to deliver the message that you've given me. Uh, help me to speak the words that you would have me to say. Uh, and I pray that you would touch each and every heart in this room tonight, uh, that we would know that 
you are speaking to us and that you always have something to teach us. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would keep our minds and our hearts open to receive it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, I wanted to show you guys uh, four things that I was actually able to pick up out of this story um, that I find are really interesting. Um, because the Bible says that, uh, well, we see time and time again in the Bible that there aren't very many ways that uh, the devil tries to actually uh, throw us off and cause us to sin. Um, and from this particular story, we can see four different tactics that he uses in order to get us to sin, okay? Uh, so I want to take a look at each of those and just kind of walk through some of these verses here and point them out for us, all right? Um, so in verse 1, the, the first thing that he tries to do is to get us to doubt what God has already said, okay? So if we look at verse 1 in, uh, in Genesis chapter 3, it says, the, certain, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? So the devil we know is a, uh, is a deceiver, okay? And if we look at the question here, the first part of the question, it says, did God really say? And he said that in order to cast doubt on what God had actually said, okay, in the previous chapter in Genesis, okay? Um, and it's funny because it's really easy to deceive a person if you don't know what was actually said or if you're getting that, that information secondhand, okay? Uh, we're going to see here in just a minute that um, there's, there's actually uh, – uh, sort of a, a weird set of circumstances that happens here. Um, but that's the first thing. Uh, he gets us to doubt that which God has already said, right? So the second thing that he does is he obviously deceives us, okay? So going back to chapter, uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, uh, it says that, the serpent asked a particular question. He said, did God really say you must not eat from any of the trees in the garden? And what's interesting is that if you go back and you look in the previous chapter, it actually has what God said in there. Okay, so if we take a look at uh, chapter 2, verse, starting at verse 15, I'll show you what it actually says here. It says, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend over it and watch it. In verse 16, it says, but the Lord God warned him, you may eat freely of every tree in the garden, okay? So the devil's question initially was, did, did God really say you must not eat from any of the trees? But that's not what God actually said. God actually said you may f eat freely uh, from every tree in the garden, okay? So... The devil likes to play on words in order to get us uh, to start that process of doubt and to start that process of deceiving our minds, okay? So 
when we actually start taking a look at it, and, and let me just finish up here, uh, in verse 17 it says, uh, you may eat freely of, of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of its fruit, you are sure to die. And what's interesting about this is God tells us, or God actually made this comment to Adam. And when I read this, this story and, and I kept reading it over and over and over again, something kept, something was off and something kept sticking out in my head because we see in chapter two that God is speaking to Adam. Eve hadn't even been made yet, okay? Eve doesn't get made until I think it's verse uh, 18 or 19 in this particular chapter. So God made this statement to Adam. But when the devil went to deceive, he didn't ask Adam. He asked Eve. He asked the person who got secondhand information about what was actually said. And it's just funny to me because, yeah, if you really want to deceive somebody, uh, first you have to play on their, their ignorance, okay? And he did just that. He played on Eve's ignorance. Eve didn't actually know what God said. She had only heard what God said from Adam, okay? And this is, this is something that's important for us to know as Christians, okay? It's not just good enough that we know something about what pastor may have said in the Bible. We need to know what the Bible says for ourselves so that we can hold on to the truths that God has promised us, okay? So that we can hold on to the commandments that God has made to us. Because if we don't, it's very easy to be deceived by what we don't know, okay? So, you know, this needs to be a lesson to all of us. Because it's very easy to say, you know, I, I, I know in, in the Bible it says somewhere that we need to love each other. But, you know, you go uh, to the average person and they're going to tell you that. We need to know for ourselves what the Bible actually says. You know, we need to know instances of where the Bible tells us or it commands us that we need to love our neighbor. Okay. And we need to be able to quote those things. We need to be memorizing scripture so that we understand these things and that we're able to provide some sort of guidance to people on these things. Okay? So let's move on. And let's take a look at the, the third thing. All right? That the uh, third tactic that the devil use, uses against us. And the third one is, is kind of interesting uh, because in order to understand it fully, um, we actually need to, to really understand what it was that he was trying to distract us from. And I, I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Uh, the third thing is that the devil tries to distract us from everything that, the, that God has already provided for us. Okay? So if we take a look at uh, Genesis um, chapter 3, verse 6, the Bible says here, The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it, and she gave some of it to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. Now, if you think about this, the devil at this point 
he was telling her everything that the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He was telling her everything that that could do for her, okay? And what effectively happened was, if you think about this, Adam and Eve were living in perfect harmony with nature. They were, uh, they were in the Garden of Eden, and they had many, many trees that they could choose from uh, to take any piece of fruit from that they possibly wanted. But here's the deal. The devil took her mind off of everything else that she had available to her and put it on the one thing that God said not to eat. He took her focus, and like we see here, it says she saw that the tree was beautiful. There was a lot of trees in the the Garden of Eden at that time. There was a lot of beautiful trees in the garden at that time. This was not the only beautiful tree. But the problem was she focused on this tree. She saw that its fruit looked delicious. She saw what she saw. She wanted the wisdom that it could give her rather than trusting in the wisdom that God had already provided. She already had, uh, she already had communion with God every day. God would come into the garden in the cool of the evening, okay? So she was communing with God. She had fellowship with God. She was talking to God every single day. This is a picture of us. We have the opportunity to do this, but what do we do? We take our eyes off of that which God has already shown us, that which God has already taught us, and we start putting it on other things. And it's real easy when we take our focus off of God and we put it on us or we put it on other things. We put it on our family, our jobs. Uh, We put it on any number of things, entertainment. It's very easy for us to turn our attention towards those things and lose sight of God. Really easy. Okay? And this is what happened here. All right? God was in perfect fellowship and harmony with them, provided every need, okay? At this point in time, every need was met. They didn't have anything to want for. But as soon as she focused on this tree, as soon as she focused on that fruit, she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. Okay, she wanted that because she focused on that. All right. We need to be in a place where all that we want is God and his provision. Because when we don't, this can happen to us. This can easily happen to us. And it's all about where our focus is. You know, I teach the uh, I teach the youth on Wednesday nights. And one of the things that. Uh, is a continual topic for us uh, that I, I just I, I can't stop hammering this point home enough is the fact that we need to be intentional about everything that we do for God. Okay? If we're going to serve, we're going to serve in the right heart. We're going to serve with the right mindset. But that doesn't happen unless we stay focused on God. If we start focusing on what it, what it benefits us, We're going to lose every single time. 
And it has to be so, it has to be so intentional because the deception is so subtle, okay? The devil didn't come up to her and put a gun to her head and say, look, you need to eat this fruit. All he did was keep her focused on that and, take, and took her focus essentially off of every other thing that was provided. He took her focus off of God. And as soon as she did that, step right into it. Step right into it. Hook, line, and sinker. So we need to be aware of the doubt. We need to be aware of the distractions. We need to be aware of the deception. And the last thing that we need to be aware is that the devil will always try to divide us. Okay? So if we take a look in verse 12 and 13 here, we see reading at uh, verse 12, the Bible says, uh, and this is when, when God had already come back into the garden and he was looking for them. And, uh, you know, Adam said, you know, we hid from you because we're naked. And uh, that whole exchange has already taken place. Um, so basically now he's questioning them to, to figure out what happened. All right. So Bible says here, uh, the man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then in verse 13, it says, uh, then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? And her reply was, the serpent deceived me. That's why I ate it. So now the shoe drops. And just like crabs in a barrel, there's division among the people. There's no longer any harmony among the people. Okay? And because it was so subtle and because it happened so quickly, okay, we see how quickly they end up turning on each other, okay? God asks, what happened? Next thing you know, fingers come up, start pointing, all right? She made me do it. <laughs> the woman that you gave me made me do it. That was Adam's words, right? And uh, then her words were, you know, the serpent deceived me, you know, which I, I think was kind of a, a lowbrow shot because, you know, God made all animals, right? So she could have easily just as well said, well, it was the serpent that you put here in the garden. But, I mean, and that's just me. I'm, I'm just throwing that a little extra bit in there. But, uh, but no, I mean, it's, it's real easy to see. You know, once that, uh, once that sin was found out, division popped up real quick. Okay? And... We have to understand that the Bible teaches us that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if, if you can't see that in today's day and age, I mean, all you have to do is look on the television, you know, every eight and a half minutes uh, when the, t the commercials come up and you see all the political ads that are running right now and you see all the divisiveness just in that. Okay, 
And then, you know, you look inside the church and you see people talking about, oh, I got hurt in church. I had to move to this church. I mean, we've experienced some of that in our own church. You know, and the thing is this. We have to realize that the devil hates us. To say he hates us with a passion is kind of understatement. Because if you think about it, you know, the Bible talks about how um, the Bible talks about how he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you look at our relationships, if he can steal your joy, if he can steal the love, if he can steal the harmony in the relationships that you have, where are you going to turn? Where are you going to go? I mean, you, you, yeah, you can turn to God, but we got to live in this world, this physical world with people, okay? And the relationships that we have, they're more important than you think, okay? When the Bible, uh, the Bible gives many examples of how sin, uh, as it crept into certain situations, how it didn't affect just one person, it didn't just affect a family, it affected the entire group. You think about the story of uh, 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 the story of the, the Battle of Ai, okay, and how Achan, uh, and you can probably say Achan and his family, uh, took some of the plunder, okay, and they were hiding it underneath a tent, okay, and how when uh, when the Israelites went to go and fight. After that, they lost to a, uh, I can't even call it a substandard uh, uh, enemy. I, I mean, they, they should have totally destroyed these folks, okay? But they got destroyed in turn, okay? They went running back to camp, and it was all because of one sin, one not everybody was complicit with it. Not everybody even knew about it, but it affected everybody. We have to understand that that sin led to division with God. Okay? Because God said, I'm not going to tolerate the sin. And he punished everybody because of that sin. He didn't just punish Achan or his, him and his family, he punished everybody, okay? They lost men that day. They lost supplies that day. They lost their standing in it with the surrounding nations that day because up until that point, they had been a formidable fighting force, okay? Their reputation preceded them. But after that, people are like, what? They lost to AI? That little town in the middle of nowhere, that, that bowl of dust? Yeah. So it's real easy to see how the sin can divide us in our relationship with God and it can divide us with our relationship with people. OK, so we have to understand that these four tactics, OK, dividing of the people, distracting of the people from what God has already provided us. Deception of the people 
from what God actually said and the doubting of what God says. These tactics are age old. They've been used in the past because they work. They continue to be used now. Why? Because they work. I mean, it don't get any simpler than that. The devil wouldn't use it if it didn't work. It wouldn't make sense to use it, but he does. And he's successful at it. Why? Because we're not intentional about the relationship that we have with God. And any time that we are not intentional about that relationship, any time that we take our eyes off of God, any time that we, let me take a step back here. I told the kids this one time, and I, I thought it, uh, it was really kind of cool because I didn't think it, God put it in my mouth to say. Uh, but sin is always about the worship of ourselves. Because sin focuses on us and how we benefit from whatever sin that is. Okay? I don't care if it's uh, self-gratification through uh, uh, pornography. I don't care if it's, um, you know, greed. I don't care if it's uh, uh, pride, if it's anger, if it's any one of those things. It doesn't matter what it is. Okay? It is always that sin is always about us worshiping us. Us feeding our flesh, us falling to our own deceptions of who we are and our importance in our own lives. It's always about us because I can guarantee you this. There isn't a single person in this room that's ever sinned while they were focusing on God. Try that on for size. I mean, really. When's the last time you sinned while you were uh, uh, singing a praise and worship song and your heart was in the right place? When's the last time that uh, uh, you sinned while, you know, you were trying to show love to somebody as you were holding the door for them and telling them God bless you as they walk through? Show me where you have sinned in that and I can call you a liar because you can't. You cannot do it when you are worshiping God in the right heart. And we, you are worshiping God in the right deeds. You can't. So sin is always about us. Sin is always focused on us. And when we focus on us too much, it's very easy to sin. When we focus on doing us, I'm going to do me, it's real easy to go ahead and sin. But it's not until we turn our focus back towards God and what he can do for us or what he's already done for us that we end up in that place where we are grateful. We are thankful for the grace and the mercy that he's placed on us. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting because so many times I, I hear uh, people that are like depressed, uh, that are just kind of downtrodden or down on their luck. And, um, you know, a lot of the statements, and I, I don't mean to sound insensitive about this because I, I know depression is real. But if we just take a big picture view on this, a lot of what ends up coming out of a person's mouth, a lot of what's being thought is about what the impact of all the situations in that person's life means to them 
and not what it means to God. Because if we really thought about what that situation means to God, we would say to ourselves, God has an opportunity to grow us out of this. God has an opportunity for us to get on our knees and thank him for what he's already done. God has an opportunity to work something out in us, to grow us out of all this struggle that I'm going through right now. But because our focus is on us, because our focus is on my problems, because my focus is on, you know, everything that I'm missing out on or everything that's being done to me, we take our eyes off of God. And as a result, we turn that worship inward instead of upward. And it makes it easy for us to miss the point. The point is always that we need to be turning toward God. When we don't, it's very easy for us to sin. It is very easy for us to, you know, put on the pity party uh, and go with the, the woe is me line. You know, um, a lot of people talk about how, uh, you know, God won't put more on us than we can actually bear. No, it, it's, that's a fallacy. That, that's a lie. God is always looking to put you in a position where you go to your knees. You thank him for what he's already done. You trust him for what he's going to do. And you believe the promises that he's already made to you. Because if you don't, your focus will be in the wrong place. And, uh, you know, it, it's sad because people truly do miss the point. Um, and it's so subtle that, you know, it's so subtle that it just kind of creeps in a little bit at a time. That doubt, that negative self-talk, that distraction from whatever, distraction from work, distraction from the kids, distraction from, you know, social media, whatever, creeps in. Next thing you know, you know, you're 20 minutes down a rabbit hole on Facebook and, you know, you're feeling like, man, the world is a crappy place to live. And, you know, you went on there just to, you know, check one or two messages and keep it moving. But listen, life is real subtle, and that's why we have to be intentional. We have to be on guard up here. The Bible talks about how we need to stay alert and stay on guard because the enemy, our devil, the enemy is prowling around like a lion looking to devour those whom he may. You can't live that way. We have to live intentionally. We have to understand that we need to get up every single day with God's purpose in our hearts and on our minds. And we got to walk in that purpose because if we don't, we're going to miss it. Each of us is only given a certain amount of time on this planet. None of us knows exactly how much time that is. And it is a travesty that we get up and we waste time every single day because we allow ourselves to just be pulled along the stream of life rather than being what we're supposed to be, which is a counterculture moving against that current, 
moving intentionally against that current to make strides and to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. You can't do it unless you're intentional about it. So here's my prayer for you guys uh, and my homework for you guys, uh, that you would take that message to heart and that you would understand it, embrace it, and walk in it. Wake up every single day with the prayer on your mind that says that I want to walk in your purpose today, God. I need you to show me what that is, and I need you to keep me focused on it throughout the day. Because if we don't, it's easy for us to get up and do work. It's easy for us to get up and do the kids. It's easy for us to get up and just be husbands and wives. And it's easy for us to get up and do all that stuff. We can do that stuff on autopilot. But it takes intentionality to walk in God's purpose. It takes intentionality to make sure that we are trying to do the things that he has set before us to do. So I want you guys to try that for the next few days and see how your week turns out. I can guarantee you it's not going to be easy, but it's where each of us should be if we're trying to grow. It's where each of us should be if we're trying to accomplish things for God. Okay? All right, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much again for this time of teaching this time of fellowship. Um, Lord, we thank you for everything that you taught us tonight. Uh, Lord, we, we pray and we ask that you would continually keep you at the forefront of our minds so that we do not become distracted, so that we don't doubt what you said, so that we don't fall to the deception. Lord, I, I pray and I just ask that you be with each and every one of us as we go throughout our week. Uh, and I pray that you would help us to walk in your purpose for each and every one of us. Lord, I, I thank you so much for all that you've done, all that you're doing. I thank you so much for your mercy and your grace. Lord, I, I pray as we uh, travel back home this evening that you would keep us safe uh, and that you would guide us along the path that you would have us to walk. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.